What's up, everybody? Welcome to the 1796 Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Norm Valfan. Joined alongside Ryan, and we're going to talk some Tennessee basketball, some Lady Vols basketball, and uh, some baseball. And we might even cover some NCAA news that we're a little behind on. But uh, I want to get started with this Tennessee onslaught against the AM Aggies um, at home, raucous crowd. Um, what a game. What a game. Started off a little slow, but, I mean, second half, it was all Tennessee. But, um, Ryan, what would you think about it? Well, the biggest thing to me is that the two things that hurt us at A&M, we completely flipped the script on. The first thing that hurt us at Texas A&M was Wade Taylor and Tyrese Radford, we let them do whatever they want, and they combined for 52 points in College Station. And then we held them to 22 points combined on Saturday night. And then the second thing is we did not let Anderson Garcia grab every single, seemingly every single offensive rebound like we allowed him to do in College Station. Because he had 17 in the first game and he had eight total rebounds last night. So those are the two big things to me that we prevented them from doing. But as far as what we did, um, Zakai Ziegler, Looks like John Stockton. Uh, Dalton Connect looked look like uh, Dalton Connect. Simple as that. And Jonas Adu had another terrific game with 18 points, 14 rebounds, a few blocks. I mean, I think it was a great team effort, and they obviously wanted it real bad. Yeah, you can tell. I mean, everyone from the fans, the players, the coach, I mean, everyone wanted that game. Um I'll be the first to say first half I was I was really getting frustrated because it just it just seemed like it was just gonna be a repeat and we couldn't score it, it was rough but you know I feel like the turning point of that game was when Vescovy hit that corner three and you know going into halftime mm-hmm. and Tennessee came out in the second half and absolutely just destroyed Texas A&M. I mean, from the get-go, I mean, you had um, Wade Taylor. I mean, first, what, three shots he hit, and then after that he didn't hit a shot after that. So that was huge. But um, overall, I mean, the game was great. The atmosphere was awesome. We're going to need that for when Auburn comes to town. Um, But, yeah, I mean, Tennessee looked like a Final Four team that game. They were complete. Defense, offense, the motivation was there. You know, I don't know what else to say, but it was a definitely a Final Four performance, even against a you know bad team. Yeah, and I want to touch on this real quick. Um, it was you know start of SEC play. Every time we would you know record a podcast, we would always bring up Santiago Vescovi and Josiah Jordan James and. I'm pretty sure we all agreed back then that if they're getting, you know, six to ten points apiece, we would take that. And last night, Vescovy got six, Josiah Jordan-James got eight, and we beat a conference opponent by 35 points. I mean, that I think, you know, they definitely are capable 
of being our leading scorer. They haven't done it often this year. I think Vescovi's done it once and Josiah's done it maybe two times. And But as long as they're putting something other than a complete zero on the scoreboard and they're playing, you know, they're, they're always great at defense. I, I don't think any of the complaints from the fan base are about their defense or effort or anything like that. It's just about on the scoring end. But, yeah, if, if they're combining for 15 to 20 points, I think you're, that, that's a pretty good spot to be in. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the defense has been, you know, a little – I won't say it's not, it hasn't been bad, but it, it's definitely been a little bit worse. It's not the last year's defense where we're holding teams to 60 or less every single game. But when you're scoring 80, 85 plus points, I mean, you can give up that, you know, 70, like, and it's not going to hurt you. But, you know, I agree. I think all around this team, and I seen it on Twitter today, and a bunch of people saying it, that this is probably the best chance Rick Barnes is going to have at getting a national title. Yeah. Yeah. And, Shout out to Rick for getting his 800th win. Um, I mean, that's huge. I think it's 15 other coaches have done that in D1 history. So he's in an exclusive club now. And the only thing he's missing really is that is climbing the mountaintop and being the national champion as far as his resume goes. But, yeah, I, I totally agree. This is his best chance. And, you know, I don't have a crystal ball. You don't know if it will be his best chance from then on. I think people were saying the same kind of stuff when we had Admiral and Grant Williams. And then you flash forward five years, and now we're saying the same thing again. So you never know, but th- this seems like the year that this – I definitely agree. It's just, this is his best chance, and I really hope they can climb that mountaintop. Yeah, and we've said it before. I mean, this team has – everything you need to to win or make a run at least um to get there and it, to me though when it comes to March Madness it all it all depends on what you know your bracket looks like i mean some some teams just get the harder like the harder bracket and you know but tennessee i mean if you get that they have a chance i to in my opinion i don't know about you but if they win 3 out of 4 to end the season i feel like they are going to be a one seed. They absolutely should be. You're playing four ranked teams to finish the year, and you're playing two of them on the road. Um, I don't see why we shouldn't be. As, as I mean, you might say that if you lose in the first round of the SEC tournament, even if you do go three and one in these last four, they might knock you back down to a two. But, you know, the committee, they're kind of wishy-washy on if the conference tournaments even really matter or not. So, which they I, shouldn't, in my opinion. I, I mean, yeah, I, I've, I think I went over it a few a few episodes ago where, you know, an entire conference schedule and the non-conference before that means a lot more to me than three or four days at the end of the at the end of the year. So, yeah, I I don't think it should factor in too much unless you're on the bubble and happen to beat like like like, for example, if Missouri were to beat or no, if Mississippi State or A&M were to beat let's just say Kentucky, Alabama, and then us to play in the championship game, that would probably get them into the tournament. But if you're not on the bubble, it really doesn't matter. Yeah, I agree. And and I I don't see Tennessee, like, let's say we get first place. I don't see Tennessee losing that first game. But, like, 
if you get to the point where you're in the semis and you lose, it's whatever. Just yeah. get ready for March. But I mean, realistically though, with these four games coming up, what are, what are your expectations? I I honestly, the way I've been seeing Auburn play these past couple games, I now I I'm not sleeping on Auburn. Auburn's a very good basketball team, but being at home, it's going to be the same type of crowd it was against A and M. I think I think we sneak this one out. I, I'm not I'm not as worried about Auburn than I am Bama going on the road to play Bama, but. What are your expectations for these four games? What do you think is going to transpire? I think three and one is probably the most likely. And this is just me banking on Tennessee winning at home and then getting that revenge game against South Carolina. I I, I totally agree with you. Alabama is probably the tallest task in these last four games. But I think the other three are very, very winnable. So I'm – Gonna, Especially the two home games. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to go with 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 three and one for right now. Okay. Yeah. I I mean I'm not I'm not against that. I feel like I'm going to go with two and two. And the reason I say this, I think honestly, I think what's going to happen is we beat Auburn and we beat South Carolina. Now the Kentucky game, I don't know what it is. They've been playing better. I get we're home, but I don't know why, but it feels like a trap game to me. And, you know, last game of the season, they're going to, like, I feel like the boys will be thinking ahead and, you know, oh, we beat them last time, you know, all this stuff. And Kentucky has nothing to lose at this point. I mean, they want to win, and especially it being a, you know, revenge game for them. Um, But I, my heart says three and one. But I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with the two and two, and I don't know. You can mix and match it. I mean, you got four great teams we're going against, and realistically, the boys could go four and zero. I mean, it's possible. And if they go four and zero, they're a hundred percent a one seed. It don't matter. Like if you win all four of those games, you're a you. If they don't put you as a one seed, there's a problem. Oh, if they don't put you as a one seed, then I don't even know why we play these games because. Auburn sets one spot ahead of us in King, Ken Palm, ranked fifth. We're sixth. Alabama is seventh at Ken Palm. So you got three SEC teams right there, top ten in Ken Palm. And then Kentucky's 18th in Ken Palm. Like, even if you were to win those three and lose to South Carolina, you, sh- you should be a one seed. And it's like I said, if, if those don't matter, then why even play the games if they're not going to put you on the one line after doing all that? So I, I-, I totally agree. Yeah. But I mean, it's gonna be a weird, it's gonna be a an interesting four games. I mean, realistically, obviously we'd love to win all four, but I mean, the way college basketball has gone this year, we're gonna have we're gonna have that game where you're just not the same, and you're either gonna it's gonna be that fifty fifty game where it's like it comes down to the wire and whoever pulls it out pulls it out. So mm-hmm. you know, but we'll see. Um, I mean, when it comes to basketball, you have anything on the men's side you want to talk about? Um, we already touched on it a little bit, but I don't like watching that Alabama and Kentucky game. Like, I was just, I mean, I wasn't really surprised because I always knew Kentucky was capable of that, but they shot like what sixty percent from the field or, or better, and Alabama just had no interest in playing defense. I mean, that just blew my mind that Alabama 
firstly, that Kentucky, you know, scored 100 points with eight minutes left in the game and that Alabama just had no Gave interest up. at all. Yeah, they they threw in the towel. Well, here's my thing about Alabama. You, I mean, we did it against someone. We beat them by 20. Like, if you take away that three-point line, they, it's, they have almost no answer. And because, I mean, they're a great three-point shooting team. I mean, and now I'm not a big fan of Mark Sears, but, I mean, he's a good basketball player. But, I mean, we're lucky to have Zakai Ziegler to guard him because Zakai is all over him all game. And, it, you know, like I said on the last podcast, he scored 20 points, whoop de doo but that was when Zakai was on the bench. Um, and before he went on the bench, Sears had, like, eight points and most of his points are from free throws. So, you know, Alabama's beatable. They and Rick Barnes definitely has their number. But, you know, we'll be on the road. You know how the refs be on you know, to the road team. But yeah. um it, it it's gonna be interesting. Like I said, it, it I think we're gonna sneak one of those road games and we'll win hopefully two of the you know, both home games, but we'll see. Yeah, and the other thing I want to touch on the Tennessee side was how painfully close Zakai Ziegler was to a triple double. <laughs> oh my god, I know. Yeah, I, I think if if Rick Barnes had known his stat line, he would have kept him in the game for those last two or three minutes. I wanted to hit, I wanted him to hit like twenty assists, dude. Like I I don't even care about the triple double. I would have loved for him to hit twenty plus assists, dude. He and that he what added four four steals to that. That uh, box score as well. I mean, he played like an all-American. I mean, he's he's really coming into form when you, when you need your point guard to be coming into form. So, it's, and realistically, it's I mean, he can come back next year. Oh yeah, he's a, he's a junior, and I think he will come back just because of his size. I think, especially if you don't win a natty, he's for sure mm-hmm. coming back. And I and I would not be surprised if Adu didn't come back. Adu is an interesting one to me because, I mean, his first two years he was just an average big, but now he's showing the flashes. I don't. But think, but uh, think about like Zach Eady though. Zach Eady yeah. could have easily went last year, and I mean, it's I don't know to me. I, I, if I'm him, I'm thinking, you know what? If I play one more year, I could really bump my draft stock up. And that'd be huge for this team to have them both come back. Um, obviously, you lose Connect, you lose Triple J, uh, you lose Vescovy. Um, but, I mean, those two would be gigantic to have back for next year, but we'll see. I mean, it's going to be interesting. I, you're exactly right. I mean, it's very interesting uh, with his situation because for sure, I think a team would definitely snag him up. I mean, the dude could shoot the three when he needs to. He he could spread the floor. He could get his rebounds. You know, he could finish with his right and left hand, and he could block almost anybody. So, but you're right. I agree. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think a year – uh, another year of him showing that he can even more consistently be that dominant big man would would do him well as far as his draft stock. So that's I, a perfect way to explain it. I mean, yeah. 
He's very he's been inconsistent this year. There's games where he was non-existent, and you know, it'd be nice for him to be. And I'm not saying anything about it. I mean, he's been he's been great, but you know, he could definitely use one more year to just show, hey, I could do, I could have ten and ten, or you know, fifteen and ten every game, it'd be, and just boost your draft stock. But yeah. But yeah. Oh, one last thing about the A and M game that. uh uber gigantic lineup of uh tobey and jonas in the game at the same time with connect made, made another appearance the the one that we used to close out missouri uh and awaka had 12 points on five or six shooting so i, I think that really benefits awaka w- when he's out there with another big man and he's not, not having to do it all yeah and he's not going up against the center he's going up against the power forward yeah I and he bullies them he bullies yeah, him. It, it it helps him a ton, so I'm I'm really glad to see Awaka make, making a bigger dent on the scoring sheet in these last two games. Absolutely. So. Um, now let's dive, let's take a deep dive into the Lady Vols today. Um, mm-hmm. Again, I mean they're playing number thirteen LSU, and they played them tough first three quarters, and then fourth quarter comes around and they just they just shit the bed. I mean, there's no no way, no other way to put it. I mean, it's they did that against South Carolina. They did that today against LSU. So it's you know, I don't know what else to say, but I feel like this was the last straw. And I know you're gonna bring up what you know Kelly had to say, but I feel like I think that was her last straw. You let her finish the season, and we said it before: unless you win like the national championship, you're done. And it's it's got to be done. Yeah. Um, according, I mean, I'm going to tell everybody what she said here. Um, she was asked, Kelly Hopper was asked this question on where she thinks the Lady Vols stand as far as the NCAA tournament. And she went on to say, uh, to me, if you watch the games, we passed the eye test. I think we really play well at times. I think that has to be part of what folks are looking at. Um, you know, if you play well at times, but you play like shit, you know, for e- even a quarter, you're going to lose to the to the to the best teams, like we've seen in our last mar- marquee matchups at home. It doesn't matter if you play well at times, like that. I, like I, I, Pat Summon had to roll over in her grave when she heard that Kelly Harper said that. That doesn't matter. What matters is a win or a loss. Doesn't matter how well you played. I mean, that just blew my mind. Yeah, and it blew a lot of people's minds. To me, it it it's just it's something you don't say. I mean, ignore the question at least. Like, just just move on about your day. You don't say stuff like that, and you know, not expect you know backlash because that's exactly what you got on social media. Was everyone just telling it, it's time? Time to be done, and I agree. It's time to hang it up. Uh, and I expect Danny White, you know, to to handle business. I, I mean, he's on social media and he sees all that. So I think it's, I think it's about that time. And, and we have so, and we've we've you know, beat the bucket on this multiple times. But there's plenty of coaching talent that Tennessee could go out and get, you know. No problem. So, but 
I say it seems to be a fan favorite of Molly Miller. And yep. I mean, she's gotten Grand Canyon to 23 plus wins already on the season. And as a, and that's a school record. And that's not, I mean, the season's not over. They're, they're probably going to hit 25. And it's just, you got to go get someone like that that has the motivation to go, you know, above and beyond for a program like, you know, Tennessee. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, but yeah, this her comment just again is dumbfounding. And you know, today if if you were able to beat LSU today, you all but guarantee a spot in the tournament. But now, you know, you have two games left. You got Texas A and M at home, and then South Carolina on the road. Uh, you're looking at one and one at best, possibly because so, A and M beat us last time. Yeah, I mean, a team you lost to on the road now coming into Knoxville. Um, so one and one at best because you're going to get blitzkrieged by South Carolina in in Columbia, and then you have to roll your dice in the SEC tournament and hopefully you can do enough to make it in there. I mean, the Lady Vols have never missed the tournament, and to even be on the bubble right now just shows you all you need to know. Simple as that. I agree. I mean, to me, uh, you know, you lose these two games. I feel like it's just you. You might be like you would have to pray to God that uh, you make the tournament. If you lose these two games, you're sixteen and twelve and nine and seven in the SEC. That's, yeah, I, I feel like A and M's a must win. Yeah, it's got to be. And they're probably what. Uh, you know, 11 seed, 12 seed. Yeah. Yeah. You're still going to have a really tough road to even make the sweet 16, even if you make it, which wouldn't do anything for me anyway. Um, so yeah, it's the, it's positive and negative at the same time that you can take your choice of the outlook, but I think it's time for the lady balls to get serious again, but it's, it's, it's sad. It's, it's sunk to where, you have a coach saying we well we play well at times. It's like okay, cool. That's like, not the you think South Carolina plays well at times. Yeah, uh, you're supposed to play well at all times and win. The exactly game. right. Because like, dude, you played two of the best teams in the country through three quarters and then just forgot how to play basketball in the fourth. And that's yeah. not the only coincidence. It's, it, it's happened multiple times a season where they don't even show up to the game and they get obliterated. Mm-hmm. Against worse teams than the two teams that I'm talking about. Yeah. Alabama, AM, you know, you can keep on going. I mean, all the games in the non conference, MTSU, Indiana, like Ohio State, on and on and on. Where we've we probably have played well at times, Kelly, but that doesn't matter if you ended up losing the damn game. I, I just cannot say that enough. It makes me so mad. Like <sighs> Whatever, I'm sick of talking about it. Yeah, we could. I mean, we could be done with it. I mean, I feel like it's just a matter of time where we see that tweet of uh, that they let her go, and it's just like I said, matter of time. It's gonna come, but we could talk about better news. I mean, we could talk about the Tennessee baseball team having an excellent weekend. Um, I think they scored like 42 runs in three games. And yeah. that's absolutely ridiculous. Um, 
led by, you know, Kavar's tears, tears, whatever you want to call him. I mean, he's going to just spank the ball around. Hey, Dalton Bargo had a day. Had actually two days in a row. I mean, Saturday and Sunday, he was just, you know, smacking the ball everywhere. Um, Absolutely another great bat to have. Villeneuve is a must-have in the lineup. I mean, that kid, I mean, the fact that you have him and Billy Amick and Christian Moore in the same lineup is ridiculous. I mean, this lineup is so it's a disaster for a pitcher. I mean, I put I was a I was a pretty good pitcher in high school and that's a lineup, you know, 1 through 9 you're just going like, "Oh god, who am I facing next?" I mean, yeah. all around, it's just nasty and I don't know, I I don't know if I heard the announcer right, but what happened to AJ Russell? Um, he he left the game with some soreness on Friday night. Um, didn't really specify where the soreness was. The at least at least nothing that I read specified that. But uh, Tony gave an update on that. He said um, he expects him to be all right. He doesn't expect it to be a a long term thing. But you know, you're if you're in February, you you might as well just play it safe and maybe start someone else on Friday night. And just, you know. He'd come in relief and get some innings, but I wouldn't be pitching him, you know, five innings plus. But we got the talent. I mean, the pitching's been there. The defense has been there. And this team, man, it it could be scary. If if you could get that solidified Sunday starter, which Seacrest looked really good today. Uh, I know they were just getting him and getting people some innings today. But, I mean... I got the scorebook right here, and I mean, he only threw twenty-four pitches and allowed one hit, which is fantastic. But then you had Sneed and Kirby and Binky. I love that guy's name, Binky. That lefty man. He has mm-hmm. such a weird arm slot, but I mean, absolutely just filthy. And then Schaefer did well. So, I mean, dude, you got great pitchers coming out of the bullpen, but you just got to figure out that Sunday starter, man. It's, it's, you know, Seacrest definitely looked a lot more comfortable in this game. So, but, but, uh, yeah, Albany is not a great team, but look at the, look at the teams around us. Vanderbilt lost to Gonzaga today. I mean, you got teams like Vanderbilt, you got teams like, Ole Miss, Mississippi State losing games to teams. LSU, LSU lost to my alma mater, and it. I mean, it's just. And don't forget, I mean, Stony Brook did go to the turn, or go to Omaha, uh, a couple years back. So, I mean, don't. But still, you got teams losing, and they're not. You know. There's teams that are going to just get beat, but Tennessee being seven and one, I expect Tennessee to get the conference play fourteen and one. Yeah, and that'd be huge. I, I feel like Tennessee's they they got the better lineup than last year. the The team this year is definitely a better lineup. Um, now if we could have Dolander back just for this year, that'd be nice. Um, and uh, and Dickey, that'd be cool too, but um. Yeah, this team's, I feel like, you know, got the potential to go to Omaha, no problem. I mean, it's just you can't slip up. Yeah. Um, The biggest thing to me about the weekend is, you know, 
Albany scored five runs Friday night, six runs on Saturday afternoon. So the pitching was, you know, it's not like it was terrible in those two games, but I think the pitching really, I mean, obviously had a nice day today whenever you hold them to zero runs. So that was encouraging to see, a nice bounce back from the pitching staff. And then, like, everybody, like, people are hitting well that you don't expect to hit well. And uh, Villeneuve, uh, Bargo, Dean Curley, Colby Backus, all, all these names. And then these players that you thought you'd be relying on still haven't hit their stride yet, like Hunter Inslee, Cannon Peebles, Billy Amick's still under 300, even though he leads the team in total bases. But Well, he also smoked the ball three times today. Yeah. And they were just all right to somebody. But yeah. I get what you're saying. Yeah. Like, I think Peebles, he's betting 167 right now. But, you know, I'm not worried about it as long as – because this lineup is so deep. He's going to he's gonna find his stride. So, well, he also – I mean, he does have five RBIs too. So, it's – you know, it's it, – I mean, it's the beginning of the season. Um, I'm not worried about Peebles. He's a good catcher. He plays good behind the plate. And he is, you know, he's patient at the plane, too. I mean, he had a couple walks today. And, um, I mean, well, we had a bunch of walks. But it was just all-around good performance this weekend. Uh, I'm happy all around. I mean, like you said, the pitching could have been better. Um, but Albany is a team that, you know, people are going to, you know, get hits off of off of beam. Um He's that type of pitcher, though. He's not that. He's not the strikeout guy. He's, he's going to let you hit the ball in play and just get you out. But you know, teams are going to be able to hit him, and there's going to be games where he's lights out. But you know, I think uh, Beam's going to be our main guy. I know um, Russell's on Friday, but Saturday to me is the most important game of the you know series. Because let's say you lose on Friday, you know, that's the series winner right there. So Beam's right smack in the middle to either win the series or, you know, save the series. Yes. Yeah, Beam is just a, a stalwart. And it's like you said, when, when you're a pitch-to-contact kind of guy, you, you may give up a, a run or two every, every couple starts. So it's not like... I think he's he started yesterday and we were down one nothing. We ended up winning twenty one to six. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah. Like Beam Beam gives you five to six and sometimes even seven good innings of you know, I cannot remember a time where he he's given up more than five runs. Like and, and that's fine when you have a lineup like this. So it's it's just a a nice guy to have, right right a good leader. Among the the weekend starters, and I think Russell will definitely be the Friday night guy. But that Sunday spot, I think, is very much up in the air, and you have plenty of good candidates. So, yeah, I mean, I I really like Nate Sneed. I mean, he throws hard. He he does. He reminds me of Chase Burns, um, mm-hmm. because I mean, he throws ninety eight to a hundred, and he's got a nasty slider, man. Like just. It's just can does he have the capability to throw you know five six innings, and I think we've seen it. I mean, I think he does. It's just can he be consistent with it? Um, but like you said, it's up for grabs. I think that's why Tony's throwing you know 
five pitchers on, you know, any given day before, you know, SEC play starts. Yeah, it's, it's, it's very much a let's see what we got time of the year right right now. And we're talking all this about the lineup, about how it's doing so well right now. Names are stepping up. Names who are going to step up, you know, are still lining the weeds a little bit. But we still haven't seen Antigua yet who was supposed to be our starting shortstop and he's a freshman and there's probably a reason he's supposed to be our freshman, a uh, short, our starting shortstop. Well, he's hurt. He's hurt. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, that's what I'm saying. When he gets back, like who knows? Where it depends the, like, when he gets back and how Curly's doing, because in my Curly opinion, looked, you'll, you'll get it. was going to, you know, get his opportunity, but Curly's been, you know, uh, pretty much lights out. I mean, dude's hitting the ball, playing great defense. Uh, hope he's okay today. I mean, he got beamed in the head uh, by an 88 mile an hour fastball. I've I've been hit by a pitch pretty much at that speed. It sucks, but um, I think he'll be all right. But I agree. I think Antigua is going to get his opportunity. I mean, and Tony's shown that that he he he's letting a lot of people play right now, and it's great. I mean. Guys coming off the bench, and we still have you know opportunities. So it's yeah. it's gonna be interesting. Yeah, the this team is just so combustible on offense. I mean, we've had so many big innings this year, and then you if you add another guy who who can smack the ball around, I mean, sky's the limit offensively, and the pitching's always good. So baseball is. It's in, it's in a great spot, man. I, I couldn't be more excited for SEC play and beyond. Oh, yeah, for sure. I think this team's – it's got the capabilities to go far, and um, we'll see. It could be, you know, a really good year for Tennessee sports if if basketball could do its thing and baseball, you know, does its thing, and then you get the football season with Nico, and it's just, you know – it's going to be a fun year for Tennessee sports, hopefully. Absolutely. Now, you and, wanted to talk uh, – go ahead. Sorry, I cut you off. Nah, y- you were staring it. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, you wanted to talk about the NCAA because uh, we haven't really gotten to talk about the update um, on what happened, but I'll, I'll let you start that and cover that. Yeah, so uh, Tennessee – was granted the preliminary injunction, uh, which froze the NCAA's archaic NIL rules, you know, vague NIL rules, whatever you want to call them, the stupid-ass rules. That's what I'm going to call them. They are now irrelevant until every until this until anything goes to trial, which could be months and months and months. So Tennessee officially won, won that piece of – this little, this pointless thing that the NCAA brought upon themselves. And I don't feel bad for them. I mean, they didn't have to, you know, try to nab us again for stuff that is a ridiculous thing to nab somebody for, you know, retroactively trying to enforce rules. But they did it, and now they find themselves in a spot where they're probably just going to give up now. I mean, that's one possibility. Because I feel like a bunch of other schools are going to come after them too. Well, I mean, why wouldn't those schools do the same thing now? I mean, 
Yeah, they can't take. What are they gonna do? Take them to court and lose? Yeah, I mean the the other states would do the exact same thing now because they know the NCAA has nothing to stand on as far as these NIL rules. And you know the NCAA could also, you know, downgrade whatever they're looking into us for and then try to get us on stuff that has nothing to do with NIL. But I think that that would be silly too. Or the uh, the NCAA could hold out for a trial, which um, those uh, this injunction would still be in place until that case concludes. And you know they're probably not going to do that either. I mean, the judge in the case who granted the injunction said the NCAA, NCAA would likely lose if it goes to a full trial um, because it violates the antitrust laws, harms student athletes, on and on and on, like. It's just the NCAA did this to themselves and Tennessee has laid the blueprint for any other school that the NCAA tries to come after now. So the entire country has Tennessee, Tennessee's attorney, attorney general to thank and uh, Virginia and Virginia's attorney general too. I want to make sure we recognize them. So. Absolutely. And like I said, I mean, overall this so far 2024 has been a great year for Tennessee athletics. I mean, it's just, you know, where are we going to go? How are we going to finish? You know, type thing. But, yeah, I think this is huge, and we talked about it before on the last podcast. I mean, this has been a benefit to recruiting. I mean, you see all these recruits are seeing that, you know, the state of Tennessee is gonna, has got this university's back and has got the student-athletes back um, when it comes to, you know, the student athletes. So that's huge. I think you're going to see a great recruiting class come in for football. Um, Tony obviously has no issues with recruiting for baseball and same thing with basketball. I hope, I hope Rick could get a couple, you know, good athletes this coming year, but we'll see. But this uh, whole NCAA thing definitely benefited Tennessee at, at, at its whole. Yeah. Um, Normal, I want to give you a chance to uh, to uh, speak on the the bootlickers on Twitter that you know, like just kneels at the feet of the NCAA. I'll I, I will leave them nameless, but uh, I, I saw won't. you. I okay, go ahead. <laughs> I, I, I I'm I'm assuming you're talking about uh, Blue Bud Bias. Um, yes. I mean he's lucky that he's not worth the amount that Nico could go after him for, because I mean, just absolutely just went out of, you know, thin air and threw a story out there about how, you know, this is all about Nico and this, that, and the other, and Nico won't play next year and all this stuff. But I mean, you got accounts like this that just throw out these, random stories that they have nothing you know no idea about and just do it for views and then not not even that is that um then he posts that the ncaa is cooked and uh tennessee like delivered and all this stuff and saying how you know tennessee is doing this and that no you already like you already you know showed what you're talking about and this kid's like the biggest Colorado fan there is and he's saying he has nothing against Tennessee everybody's got something against Tennessee if you're not a Tennessee fan you do not like us and 
it's just the way the cookie crumbles, I guess you could say. But it's that's only one of the 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 bootlickers, um, to talk oh. about. But I mean, it's just crazy. I, acting like a lawyer, knowing, trying to act like you know your stuff, but you have no idea what you know what's actually going on. That it's it is engagement farming if I've ever seen it, especially when you you know want Tennessee to fail at first, and then you try to say, "Oh, the NCAA is cooked now." You, you're just looking for the engagement, so it's just it's it's shameful. That's all there is to it. Oh, he got burned, and he already said that he's taking the L on that post and all that stuff, but. I mean, it's just the fact that we everyone knows what you're doing. I mean, one of my good friends, NBA Youngval, I mean, you got guys that go on, you know, on three's posts and they'll post a little meme. Hey, I do it. And it'll get, you know, 10, 20,000 views by, you know, just joking or whatever. And you got like, I mean, he took Blue Blood turned his dang replies off that post because he knew he was wrong. But it's people like that, and then they post replies, and then they mute the conversation so they don't get notifications on it. Classic. Just, it's... Yeah, the classic, hey, you suck, mute. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, it's ridiculous, man. But we'll hop off them for now until they run their mouth again. But uh, I kind of want to hear your thoughts on how you think uh, this matchup against Auburn is going to go on Wednesday night. Uh, I, I mean, I said it before. I mean, nothing against Auburn. Auburn has been such a good basketball team this year. And, you know, anything could happen in college basketball. I just think Tennessee is the better team. And we're at home. It's going to be a raucous crowd. But I just think that this game, just the way Auburn's been playing, like, yes, they just, but I mean, Georgia hung around with them pretty much all game and then ended up losing. But it's I think this game's gonna be close. I think I think whoever wins is gonna be it's gonna be like a like a five to eight to maybe ten point win. I just think as long as we don't go into that shooting slump where we don't score for the first five minutes, I think Tennessee wins this game, but it's gonna be a close one. I think I think the benefit of the doubt of being home and having the crowd behind you, I think Tennessee wins this game, but I think it's to be close and it could always go either way. Like I said, but that's how I feel about it. Um, we'll see Bruce Pearl coming back to Knoxville is going to be interesting too. So we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. The, the thing that Tennessee cannot do is, you know, have 15 minutes like they did against A&M where they're just, you know, rolling around in the mud with them. Because if, if you fall asleep for any length of time against Auburn, they're going to take advantage of it because they have the depth and they get up and down the court. So if the Vols can avoid, you know, screwing around, like you said, if they can avoid the scoring drought, if they can avoid defensive lapses for long periods of time, I think they'll be fine. But it's like you said, I still think it's going to be a close game. Auburn is too good of a team to me and too too deep for Tennessee to beat them by more than 10 points, really. 
So I think it's going to be a dogfight, but the being at home is probably the difference in this one. I think we've said it multiple times this year, but we are so fortunate that we do not have to go down there and play them in Auburn. So because if if it was in Auburn, I would probably say we lose by like 15 because of how electric that building is and how quickly the game can unravel if you're not ready for it down there. So yeah, and we don't we haven't really been playing well on the road other than, you know, a couple games. So it's it would have been, you know, something like that. But I think I mean, you could tell. I mean, this team against, you know, Texas A&M, it was it was the crowd. It got them, you know, electrified and they just started playing like they should be playing. And if Tennessee plays second half basketball like they did against A&M, I think t- Tennessee could beat a team like Auburn by 15, 20 points. Mm-hmm. And it, but, you know, AD is going to have a tough matchup. He's got Broom coming in. But also, you were talking about that Awaka and Adu lineup with DK. I mean, I feel like Awaka is the better defender against a guy like Broom. Having that strong, you know, presence, I feel like that might be a good matchup. But we'll see. Rick, Rick knows what he's doing, and I think, you know, they're gonna have a game plan, man, and they're gonna they're gonna do their thing to stop whatever, you know, Auburn does best. So it's gonna be interesting, though. Yeah. What do you got for a score, Jim? Oh God, I think, like I said, I think this is gonna be a. I won't say low scoring game, but it's definitely. I don't think it's gonna get to the nineties. I think. I think this is like a. I think Vols end up winning this maybe like 81 to like 74, 73 type game. Dude, I was going to say 81 to 72. So (laughs) me and you you are, are, you know, lockstep on this one. I totally agree. I think it's going to be less of a get up and down game. I think both teams are going to want to try to, you know, go fast. But I think when both teams are trying to do that, you end up, you know, look looking like the the middle school scrimmage at halftime of a varsity game sometimes with turnovers and shit. So I, I think it's going to be, you know, in that range. But I, I do think the balls come out on top simply stemming from that home court advantage. So I agree. I mean, we got to hit our free throws too, man. It's it, that we've been I've harped on it already before, but the, I mean, free throws are going to be huge in this game. When you get to the line, you got to hit them. And Awaka's been doing great. DK, you know, usually he'll miss his first two or first one. He'll go one for two, and then he won't miss. But it's you got to just, you know, Mm -hmm. settle down. Uh, DK can't be forcing the shots like he was in the first half against the Aggies. Um, I mean, if DK plays calm, cool, and collective, the kid's unstoppable. But, like, teams, that's what they've been doing is trying to get him – to just four shots up, get a couple misses, and that's what happens. He comes out in the second half, and they calm him down, and he just turns it up. He just needs to do that from the get-go in these games, and it's going to be no problem for the Vols. I think, you know, all around this team's got the talent. We've talked about it. We've, you know, we beat this topic up. It's, I mean, it's just they just got to go play well. They just got to play calm and – that's it. Take it one game at a time. You got four big games. 
Uh, I'll be happy if we win three out of out of four, but the team could win all four. It's that's why you're number five in the country. You can win these games. It's just, you know, like I said, you just can't have those scoring droughts. Yep, absolutely, man. I couldn't agree more with all those points. So, is there anything else you want to cover tonight before we sign off? I don't think so. I think uh, we're in for a treat of a week. I mean, baseball plays on Tuesday. I think we basketball plays on Tuesday, don't it? Wednesday night. Wednesday night. So we got baseball on Tuesday, basketball Wednesday, and then we got baseball weekend. So it's going to be uh, a fun little series for the of sports for the Vols. But, yeah, man, that's it. I think I think uh, hopefully we could take this Auburn game and roll the momentum into Tuscaloosa. Yep. Sounds good, man. All right, man. Go Vols. Go Vols, baby.